All right. Welcome back to another edition of the Bloominati podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Bond. Join alongside me, as always, Robert Stieg and Seth Farnador. Uh, hasn't even been that long since we last spoke. I think it was last week, right? The days are just kind of running together, I'll be honest. It could have been last week or two weeks ago. We got some news, though, at least. I mean, that's kind of we, we get together when the, when the news needs us. Yeah, exactly. When when uh, when the bat signal comes up, um, you know, we, we've got we've got baseball stuff to go over. We got Georgina Cork being Georgina Cork again um, and, and a bunch of football stuff to go over. Uh, realignment talks, um, things that should have been that weren't. And we'll go from there. Um, how have you guys been? How's the last week treated you guys? Good. Nobody in my house is sick anymore. Knock on wood for the for the moment. So I now I haven't shown them uh, the video of Stieg drinking uh, mayonnaise and Coke. So maybe that would send them the other way. But for now, we're good. Yeah, keep that on standby if you need it. <laughs> yeah, uh, calling the uh, what are those the, the poison control people and they tell you what to ingest to like help you throw up. Show them that video. It's easy. Just- yeah. I think that's really what it boils down to. Uh, I've got a, a friend who's pregnant and she, uh, she calls it the two, the two finger restart when she has to kind of get, get recalibrate uh, the, the, uh, the fetus is kicking her ass and uh, she's got to do the two finger restart to, you know, jumpstart the, the system again. So it, it, that could help. Maybe I'll, I'll need to send that to her next time just to kind of help, help speed things along. Um but let's kind of jump into it. We've got a lot of stuff uh, to kind of cover. Uh, let's jump right into baseball. Uh, the MLB draft w- happened uh, kind of over the weekend through uh, Tuesday. And then we had the All-Star game. Uh, lots of stuff. Uh, you guys pick. Do you guys want to go All-Star game first or do you want to do MLB draft first? Do you want to do happy, kind of sad, or just happy? Uh, sort of happy, kind of sad, and happy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right, so happy, kind of sad. Shane McClanahan is the first ever former USF Bull to make the All Star game, and he gets the start because he had a dazzling first half of the season. We talked about it on last week's podcast, and ERA under two uh, got kind of lit up in, in the, the first inning of the All Star game. Uh, gave up two runs, including a solo shot uh, to Paul Goldschmidt of the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, I think Ronald Acuna Jr. lit a lit a double, uh, and then he came around to score, settled down, finished with a strikeout, gave up the two runs, the only two runs the National League uh, scored on Tuesday, um, and and the American League won. So go good guys. I, I think it was just a cerebral move on his part. They say Greg Maddox used to groove fastballs during the spring training just to give guys a false sense of confidence. I'm sure he's doing the same thing for the World Series. Yeah. Just in case. Yeah, just in case. It's called 3D chess. Yeah. Read a book. <laughs> Losers. But I mean, I gotta say it was it was pretty awesome seeing him uh be the all-star starter after watching him kind of progress at USF, I'll be honest. He was in Dodger Stadium on the on the mound. Like they showed him like basically rearing ready to go for the first pitch and everything like that. I don't think I've ever seen someone with a smile that big in a, I mean, professional sporting game. I mean, the guy, he literally looked like he was about to just, you know, go out there and have some fun. Uh, he let a few hang, but, you know, nerves. 3D chess. 3D chess. 
kick off the the second half of the season uh, on Friday. Uh, I think on the road, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, we'll, we'll see the sec- what the second half brings for Shane. And, uh, you know, it was always great. It was great to see him out there being – he's a star. He's a star in the making, and he's he's one of our own. And we've got to hold on to those those guys uh, for, for dear life. They only – those kind of players only come around, you know, once a generation or so. So it was really nice to kind of see him rewarded with that. Um, but future stars in the making. The MLB draft also happened. Uh, four bulls were drafted and two commits were drafted uh, through through the process uh, as they the MLB draft kind of gets back. Um, Steve, take over. It means I have to do it. Uh, Our good yeah, friends at it's Bruin and McEwen uh, right. made this nice graphic here of the four bulls that were drafted. Steve, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so uh, kind of who you would expect. Uh, so you're, you're really your your Friday, your Saturday starter, and your Sunday starter, and then your your slugger on a on the uh, on the diamond there with Carmine Lane. So Ryan Kirkering, uh, no surprise there, getting drafted uh, or being the first one drafted into the bunch. Um, you know, he got rattled a few times throughout the year, uh, coming from you know the the closer position as a true freshman into uh, a, a rotation pitch. Uh, do a rotation pitching duty just due to Jack Jayzak Jayzak uh, going down with an injury. So uh, pleased to see that. Um, if you went to any baseball games this year, every time Kirk was pitching, there was at least twelve scouts a- in attendance. So again, no surprise that he was the first one taken off the board. Um, Jack Jayzak, uh, the next one taken, or not the next one? Yeah, the next one uh, by the Guardians. Again, uh, was a solid starter for us last year. Well, this until injury looked like severe enough that you know going undrafted by any stretch of the imagination. Um, just late enough that I think he could still kind of ponder coming back uh, for maybe a, a junior or sophomore year, depending on the eligibility standards. But nonetheless, uh, pretty good when your Saturday or your Friday or Saturday starter gets uh, drafted. Brad Lord, um, again, your Sunday starter. Did pretty all right this year. Got rattled a few times, though. But getting drafted shows a lot of potential for him. Um, and then Carmine Lane, the only batting player to get drafted this year. Uh, a quick little trip down uh, the the turnpike over to get to Miami. I Based off of the reactions by uh, head coach Billy Moore, head manager, it, it sounds like Carmine is probably going to end up in the Marlins system. Um, obviously being drafted in the ninth round, they're probably not going to be uh, called up to the show uh, just yet, but he'll probably end up in the Marlin system uh, there for a little bit. Kirk will probably end up in Philly, the Philly system. Lord and Jay-Z, you know, pick your poise and they might there, they might not. We'll see what happens there. <clears throat> and then uh, two of the USF commits for baseball were drafted. Again, these are kind of like pick them if you want them. You know, they can go to the show or they can go to, um, you know, college and then still maintain their eligibility for a draft later. Uh, round 11, the Orioles selected uh, right-handed pitcher Jack, Zach Showalter from Weston Chapel High School. And then a couple picks later, uh, in the 11th round, the Reds selected South Kingston High School in Rhode Island, the right-handed pitcher Ben Broody. Um, so pretty good sign for both of them. Again, we won't really know until workouts start whether they uh, whether they come to campus or not. Usually, those 
past the tenth round guys will usually go back to college or um, get back into uh, get into uh, college ranks. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, overall pretty successful um, draft, I'd say for USA. It's uh, it's it's good to see Carmine get the recognition that he deserves and uh, hopefully uh, be able to ball out there. And then, you know, guys that you want to return back to USF for uh, hopefully a resurgent next season, you still get Drew Brutcher back. Um, ben Rosenblum, I think, is going to be able to come back. Or no, not Ben Rosenblum. Who's the... Um, who is that? I should have had his name. Bobby Boser. Um, they're coming back, so some, some sluggers. And all these guys are still working in the summer leagues and off-season leagues, so... A lot of good potential there. Um, it's still not back, and I can only fluff this for so long. So I guess we're going to move into uh, into the other hit ball stick sport. Uh, the world famous... Oh, is, is someone there, Seth? Yes, hold on a second. Yeah, no, they're gone now. I'll just beat them off camera later. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Can't just do that every um yeah and then, and then switching gears the other side of uh of of uh the baseball softball complex uh pretty good recognition out of uh usf today for arguably one of the best student athletes to come through the university at least in this uh in this century uh georgina Korok gets the uh, triple uh, the pitching triple crown becomes the first pitcher to uh basically lead the nation and wins era and strikeout um, I, I feel like those, two of those kind of supersede each other because with wins and strikeouts, if you're uh, winning a lot, you're probably striking out a lot too. Um, Nate, welcome back. I covered baseball for you. I appreciate it. You look, you look just befuddled right now. <laughs> Keep going, man. Pretend <laughs> I'm not here. I'll be right back. You're good. Uh, but yeah, so uh, like I was saying, great recognition of probably arguably one of the best student athletes to come through USF. Uh, Georgina Burke with pitching for crown here. Um, first off, kudos to the USF graphics team because that is a absolutely perfect photo. Yeah, don't know, it's, it's pretty top notch. Don't know how deep into the stocks they had to go to try to find a picture of her kind of like being like, like that. Um, she, I mean, she doesn't seem like the kind of person who would just willingly do that. So it, it, it could, you know what, be hilarious if that was just like her normal picture, but someone else's hands. <laughs> it's Seth's hands, actually. <laughs> like, that would be pretty incredible. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, I mean, I mean, we've talked about her often. Uh, I, I think she may be the best USF athlete to come through these parts in a, in a very, very, very long time. <laughs> Welcome back, Seth. Hey, buddy. I'm back. All right. All right. Not, about, not much, just kind of glowing. We, I, we're kind of figuring out if that's just like Georgina's face and someone else's hands or they got Georgina to pose like that. I, you know, looking at the uh, looking at the bracelets, I would bet that's her. You never know. I mean, John. It's like an athlete's break. I mean, it wasn't John Travolta, you know, walking with the paint can and Saturday Night Fever. So, what are, what are we to believe? There's a lot of lies going on with John Travolta. Allegedly. Allegedly. Say that for legal purposes. All right. <laughs> All right. 
that's enough of that. Let's get into the heart and, and the soul of, of the podcast here. Um, man, I really don't know which one's kind of the juiciest one to start with. Do we want to start with the thing that may end Steeg and I's relationship? Because if it wasn't the spring game streaming, it could be this. Ooh, I don't know. I, I think uh, I think we'll start with that one so that we can end a little softer. Because I think we'll end on a better note than we did when the spring game podcast where you and I screamed at each other for three and a half hours when we uh, finished recording. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's fine. Uh, so USF transfer quarterback Gary Bohannon was named to the Davey O'Brien watch list on Tuesday morning, uh, along with 34 other players. Uh, you'll see national champion Stetson Bennett, who somehow is still in the league. Uh, Malik Cunningham, who the Bulls will face. Uh, former Central Florida quarterback Dylan Gabriel. Uh, BYU quarterback Jaron Hall, who the Bulls will face. SMU quarterback Tanner Mordecai, who the Bulls will face. Houston quarterback Clayton Toon, who the Bulls will face this year. Uh, USC quarterback Caleb Williams, who is a transfer. Uh, Alabama quarterback Bryce Williams. Or excuse me, Bryce Young, and then South Carolina quarterback Spencer Rattler, Oregon quarterback Bo Nix. The list goes on and on. It's a pretty damn good list to be on. You forgot and the most important one, Nate. Sean Clifford or You're, Chase Bryce? Oh, no, you forgot Will Levis. Or is Chase it Levi's Bryce. or Levis? Levis. Levis. Uh, I have competition now. You do. The most, the most unhinged. Like, mine was like unhinged, like, but. You know, <laughs> you're not a quarterback. He also, so, he, not also, a, he also eats bananas without peeling them. What the fuck is wrong? I love him. I love this man. He's like a shaved ape or something. It doesn't make any sense. And this is supposed to be the leader of your team. Can you trust this man? I don't I think so. Poor decision maker. Terrible decision maker. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, he at SEC Media Days, it's been talked about before. I think it was really yeah, last discussed year la- last year. Uh, he puts mayo in his coffee. Is it a regular occurrence or just like when he's feeling froggy? I think he's oh, not every day for him because um, the, the video kind of just skimmed through it. But like in his actual interview, he like he basically is just like every once in a while, you know, it, I've heard of putting butter in coffee. That's like an old like like blue collar work thing that like you know truckers do. Um, there it is, disgusting. And I have been known to put mayonnaise in my coffee sometimes. Sometimes, and it's not even Duke's. Yeah, it's not Duke. What the fuck? That's like that's like Miracle Whip. That's not really. That's not even real mayo. Also, shout out to no, whoever God, was please, taking no, that video for. No. Uh, uh, the SEC media days because uh, we'll flip out. Will Levis, beautiful job. University of Kentucky. And mm. uh, don't like, I just, nope, don't like that. That's just disgusting. That is uh, horrendous. Um, if he was my QB1, I'd be really, really worried. Uh, but, you know, our potential QB1 is also Davey O'Brien watch list uh, candidate, and he hasn't even uh, played a snap in a, a green and gold unit. Well, this version of green and gold, and uh, he's technically not even QB1 yet. Uh, so naturally, USF just didn't mention it at all yesterday. And, uh, you know, the fan base 
quite frankly, in my opinion, got into a tizzy because w- and, and Steve, hear me out on this in, in late May and most of June, there really wasn't anything going on. And the fan base being uppity about that was a, just annoying. But then there was actual news that came out like actual positive news for a team that is two and 10, one and seven in conference, you're three and 18 over your last 21 games. And you get this small sliver of exciting news where you're, you know, in the ranks of, you know, top five NFL draft pick potential and you go silent, absolutely dead silent. And Steve, I know you're going to prepare and say, hey, they, these transfer quarterbacks didn't get any mention, and I get it. But these other teams are, have much better publicity and have much further reach. And quite frankly, and unfortunate, like un, completely unfortunate for for at least Bo Nix in Oregon is uh, a player died less than a week ago. So right. it's it's really. I think it would have been in poor taste for them to really truly say anything. And I completely get that. Uh, right. And I mean, this, the, the tight end is Spencer. I can't remember his, his Spencer Hall. No, Spencer Webb, I think Spencer Webb. Yes. Excuse me. Uh, like he was going to be a key, key cog to their entire team. A, tr- a tragic cliff, cliff jumping, cliff diving accident. And mm-hmm. it just, it's not, it wasn't appropriate. So I completely get that. And uh, I know Spencer Rattler didn't have any, and uh, there was one other, right? Uh, Caleb Williams didn't have it, but Caleb Williams did get mentioned for the Maxwell award as well. And they did post something for that. So I'm just, it doesn't make much sense in the context of this is probably the only guy that's going to make a watch list this year outside of who, who's the best return. What's the best returner? name for um it's you that would usually be like the best like all around not all around Paul. Like the multi-position yeah okay so like i just back in, in, in yeah. ncaa it's just like best returner award or whatever like they i don't think they got the rights to that award so they just called it best returner um and brian Petit will be will likely be named to that as he's one of six returning all americans uh this season at, it's pretty easy. Like I, I get, there's a lot yeah. going on. There's people on vacation. I completely get it. But a, a retweet from the AAC mentioned it, the Davy O'Brien list, just retweet that uh, you wished Latrell Williams a happy birthday. You, you did some other things. You hinted after you hinted the uh, you hinted at the, um, the boxes that USF equipment's been kind of buried under like they're, they were doing stuff yesterday and it just, you know, Tuesday and it seems just like a complete whiff. Mm-hmm. Having and said that, I get where you're coming from. <laughs> and it's just kind of piling on, but you're still wrong. Like, but I get it. <laughs> right. And, and I want to, I want to make my position very clear about this because I, I, I think it got a little convoluted when I, especially today, as I've been tweeting about it, um, I'm in the camp that USF at the very least should acknowledge it at the very least. Like you said, a retweet of the list, a, you know, retweet of the AAC was tweeting it or saying it in a way that says like, you know, 
great job in that green and gold that you played in for the last two years. Excited for you to be in the new green and gold here in Tampa, whatever it needs to be acknowledged because it is a big deal. You know, this isn't every day. There's 35 guys on the list. That means there's a hundred schools that don't get mentioned at all in these types of situations. So it's something it's, it, it is as you and, and Seth and Colin have ever so eloquently put, this is an alley-oop for USF to do. And they decided not to go for it. They let it hit off the back room and, and come back down to them. They grabbed but, the alley-oop and then ran out to the half court to try to shoot. Right. It was, a, it was a real J.R. Smith moment. Basically, but I, I also want to say, in, in fairness to the decision behind it, Gary hasn't taken a snap here at USF. His recognition on the Davey O'Brien watch list is not conducive to what he has done in Tampa, USF. He's merely selected USF as his destination to finish out his football career. You know, it, it, it's from his work that he did at, B, uh, at Baylor. And whether that translates over to the work that he does at USF, great. I'm sure they'll call for, and I'm sure eventually when it gets added to the uh, the USF roster, because he's still not there, it'll be mentioned there. I, I I think it can coexist that USF should have said something, but we also shouldn't be making a really, really, really big deal about this to the point where people are just consistently adding USF football saying like, why did you post this? Why did you post this? Why did you post this? They have a reason why they didn't post it. We don't know I, I what think- it is. But they they decided as a staff, as an organization, like if if Jeff Scott really wanted to post it or if Jeff Scott really didn't want to post it, he can make that happen either way. He chose to have it not get posted. So I think the disconnect is that like you have posts from weeks ago about you know guys making the Phil Steele fourth. Team, team honorable mention. Yeah, like it's not like there's, you know, it's not like there's nothing, right? Right. Like so, it's you have a tweet about that, which that's cool. But Davey O'Brien's pretty prestigious. I mean, go down the list of names of guys that have won that. It's pretty crazy. So just even even the watch list. I don't know if they stick to it totally. Like they can't go outside the watch list. Um, but it's still a pretty big deal to be on it. And how many right. times has the USF quarterback been on the watch list? It's been Maybe four years, right? Eight. Five years, technically. But how many times total? Has this been like the third or fourth time, probably? Possibly the second. Yeah. So it's a big deal. I, I But I think there is something to like they're going to have a competition. <laughs> so they don't want anybody to transfer. So we're not naming a starter in summer before – but once once that first day of practice rolls around and people are locked in, then maybe you get a little, you go a little bit more. Into and, it. But here, here's, you know, the thing that maybe I think here's the true disconnect is it's not like the list was secret. It's not like they, Hey, they handed it out to the, the other schools yeah. and like, okay, this is the list. Don't let it out. They literally broadcast it. So everybody knows like Timmy McLean knows that Gary's on the list. Travis Marsh knows that Gary's on the list. Byron Brown knows that Gary's on the list on and on and on. So is it really a secret? No. It, if this, if that's what hurts your feelings, then I, man, you're, you're in the wrong business. I don't know what to tell you. Like something good, some leg, legitimately something good happened to a team that was two and 10 last year. It, to not promote your team. 
You're back. No, you're good, Nate. You're back. You froze for a second. Oh, I mean, I was talking. It looks sounded like Steve froze. But like, is this is really the the hill that you want to die on? That you're not going to promote this when you were coming off a two and ten season where nothing went right. The opening week of the season, you get bombed by NC State, and the Big Twelve news comes out, and then you're you're just kind of reeling from that the rest of the year. So it just it doesn't make it. The rhyme and reason of it just doesn't make any sense. And it's not like he's not enrolled because he is. And it's not like he's been work, not working out with the team because he has. It's he's not like at the top of the grit score rankings. Oh, maybe. Right. He's been, and he's, but, and he's been the top. Like him and what's interesting, him and Byron Brown are consistently showing up every week on this grit score, uh, right. which I find interesting. So. I don't know. It to me, it seems it is kind of weird, but I do understand the side of it. Of hey, this is like a battle. It also doesn't do him any favors if you do think it really is a battle that he could possibly lose to go out and tout how <laughs> how he's on this watch list, and then he doesn't start. That would probably right. be pretty tough too. That's that's my thinking about this. Is that this isn't necessarily this is basically protecting all egos involved. And yeah. really the only people that are hurt from it are the USF fans that are going to carry this bucket for way too long. Like we're what? 24, we're 32 hours past when it was announced, right? We should have, we should have, everyone should have gone to bed last night and woke up today and it's a new day. It is, this is, it is really not a big of a deal. I get yeah. the frustrations around social media and the usage that it's had this summer Again, they kind of alluded to a vacation, some time off and, and everything like that. The The staff is also a little bit shorter hand than I think what they would normally have. So, you know, I, I don't want to make excuses for them. Again, yeah. I think at the very least you acknowledge this and say uh, uh, some variety, but they're clearly not going to acknowledge it so we can put it to bed. Yeah. You, know, you don't they, you don't have to build a media <laughs> campaign around it, but I do think, right. yeah, just like a retweet of it and saying, Hey, this is cool. Or, I mean, even if it was just like that, Hey, isn't this neat? Just yeah. Like I said it. that I was like, neat exclamation. point. that's all I yeah. gotta say. Just acknowledge the fact that it's there. Just but an acknowledgement again, of it. I think it's protect enough. the ethos of, of quarterbacks and, and Seth, you know, at first head ego quarterback ego is the most fragile thing in the world. You know, if, far, but, <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, it's, it's egg on, it's egg on everyone's face. If Gary goes out, doesn't win the job or, or Gary goes out and yeah. does win the job. It, it's, it's egos getting hurt and everything like that. And, and knowing what the situation was when he announced that he was coming here, it's clear that the staff is on eggshells a little bit with Gary coming to campus and it's having five quarterbacks. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's you tough. don't want to, and if you do feel like you're really, okay, we were going to have a real true competition. You don't want to have any hints of favoritism as well, where a guy might think, oh yeah, well, he's only here. We're close, but he's got that, uh, he's on that watch list. So you guys are just trying to, you know, get publicity, you know, just, uh, it. I think from that on the field standpoint, I think it makes sense in terms of like generating positive interest in your program. It doesn't make a lot of sense because it's something really cool. We'll just say, just acknowledge it and say, hey, isn't this cool? Like, right. um, you know, was there a Central Florida quarterback on that list? No. 
Right. I mean, this is it's pretty neat to have a guy that's on there. Uh, yeah. I think he, I, I, I guess Van yeah. Dyke was probably on it, right, from Miami. But so, like, Anthony Richardson wasn't on it. So only yeah. two quarterbacks it's, in the state of Florida. Only two quarterbacks in the state of Florida made it on there. So that's pretty neat. Three quarterbacks in the conference. You know, yeah. it's it, U.S. It, I, I I'm confident that if if USF or if Gary Bohan had started in, in whatever timeline of all this happening, if, if Gary Bohannon was the quarterback last year and was on this list after a stellar season last year or whatever, they'd make a tweet about him, but they're clearly just not going to. And it needs, it needs to be put to bed. It's, it's okay. Like we don't, we're not the ones that are making the calls and the, and the shots in the background and everything like that. The staff decided you know, support staff and football staff decided we're going to keep everything even keeled. You've got five quarterbacks. You've got um, a um, a junior going into their junior year. You have a junior committed at quarterback. So, you know, you're clearly looking for a guy to lead the program and be QB one. Yeah. You know, I, USF football account hasn't even really acknowledged that Gary transferred here. That's how that's how much they're on eggshells. The only times that USF football, the official USF football Twitter account has acknowledged that Gary exists is when they retweet AJ Artis's uh, grit rankings every week. There's no commitment post there. You know, they talked about the, um, they retweeted the coaches whenever it happened. The, um, like the gifts and everything that they were posting in their excitement. Not once was Gary Bohannon mentioned by name. So, you know, they're keeping a competition open. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. Again, it's just one of those things that's like, would it be nice? Yeah. Is it, does it seem like it's easy? Yeah. But, you know, there are also some reasons for them possibly not doing it that are not just like, hey, we're lazy. There are some, some reasons, but I still think they should have done something, but it doesn't really matter that much. All right. right. So now let's go on to, our our buddy from the ACC, Jim Phillips, spoke today, and uh, he had a time. They started their media days. He spoke and kind of gave a a really long, long opening statement to kind of limit the amount of questions. And after seeing him answer questions, you kind of see why. Um, but he's had some interesting things to say, didn't he, Steve? Yeah, yeah, he he has the the elegance of like a, a crocodile off, off of a high dive. Like my goodness gracious, he just his opening statement in fairness was what like twenty seven and a half minutes. Like he was really up there, and poor Brett McMurphy is just sitting there like God, just shut up so I can ask you a realignment question. Yeah. <laughs> so here was um, one of the here's one of the quotes that kind of uh, <laughs> kind of. Spark the old Freudian slip, some may say. Uh, he says, I know where our 17 or our 15 schools are. We're really aligned to find resolutions to that revenue gap. So uh, 15, I believe, includes Notre Dame, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. So 17, right? So And they talked about looking at every possible avenue, looking at bringing teams in, looking at uh, changing how they offer revenue. That's what would be interesting is if they do, let's say they bring USF in, are they going to give them a full share of revenue? I think that's something that needs to be addressed across football in itself. Um, 
it is it is an interesting tidbit that I think is probably going to have bigger ramifications on college football conferences aside from, you know, USC and UCLA going to uh, the Big Ten. Like the, the revenue share is kind of the thing that is, is the glue, is the clock, is the states that are being conferences together for the most part. Because... It, realistically you look at you know the quote-unquote bottom feeders of conferences you know they're they're kind of coattailing along for the ride and so if if you start breaking up the revenue and saying okay boston college you know we're not going to pay you as much as as clemson then what's going to do to (laughs) what that what's that going to do to boston college what is that going to do to Clemson revenue. And then how is that going to affect their viewpoint on staying within said conference? So an interesting tidbit. I don't think that there's going to be much, I mean, we probably won't see much room of any, any of that changing anytime soon, but um, God, don't ask me why he's not on the roster. I'm going to, I'm going to throw my keyboard. Um, But yeah, I I think it's, I think it's an interesting prospect and one that these conferences are going to have to address at some point because you do have unrest amongst the top of the non-power two where they're saying like, okay, I'm Florida state, I'm UNC, I'm Miami. Why am I not making as much, or why am I making just the same as Syracuse? You know, I'm the big brand in the conference. The egos are going to get there. SEC is going to figure at some point we could cut dead weight and make more. And and that's what, that's, And that's one of the things Jim Phillips said. He, he basically, to me, it seemed like he was saying, like, we'll kind of do whatever we can to stick, get everyone to stick. Um, it seems to me like we might be moving to a world where there's just four 16 teams or, or everybody, we try to get to 16 teams and then uh, even four or five. And then that's how the automatic qualifiers are decided from those five groups of 16, uh, the champions. And then you go at larges after that for the playoff. Um, but he, it did certainly seem like they were open to expansion. And I know that there is a definite, um, fervor and thought down here that USF would be quite the expansion candidate for the ACC. So that was, uh, that was kind of an interesting tidbit on realignment. He also mentioned how important nothing. He also mentioned it, how important, you know, that every school, they if they're going to bring in outside schools, they have to bring value and athletic and revenue, like revenue value was one piece of the pie, which if you're looking at, I know TV market is not the number one thing, but uh, USF's done pretty well, has a big TV market and has done well on TV comparatively to other schools across the country, especially for their success. Um, athletic success is one part, but he's like, or academic success being an AAU school or a high research institution. So he kind of made it seem like you need to at least bring one of the three. Right. Uh, USF would probably fit two of the three. Um, and then if you're looking outside of kind of the revenue sports, they've been pretty good in most of the right. I, I, So I would almost argue that they, they bring something to the table on all three metrics. You know, football, football is going to be king and football is going to be the driver uh, of the boss. The problem is it's such a good men's basketball conference too. And that's, if one of those was really good, you'd feel really good about it. But 
And, you know, it, it might not take much to turn around, you know, the, the basketball program. I mean, they are getting a little bit more recognition than I think is, is warranted. Um, <laughs> I know Robert, I was fucking with you. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to kind of logistically think about it because I know everyone wants to tout like football record and, 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 you know, basketball record and everything like that. Like, you still have to kind of keep every aspect of the university in mind when you do look at realignment, you know, and, and it gets lost in the shuffle every single time. Yes. The athletic side of the things are very important, but the poor, the people that are having those conversations about realignment are school presidents yeah, and people that are not really involved with athletics as much as writing the check and, and, you know, being there for the strategic plan. So you know, in theory, there's a reason why this school is now having this newfound resurgence of investment within itself that I think, and not just athletics, the athletics district and the on-campus stadium and the indoor practice facility and all the facility enhancements are fantastic. But that's a piece of the overall facilities enhancements that USF is doing across the USF Tampa campus, the USF St. Pete campus, and the USF Manatee campus. You know, this isn't just the the pretty renderings of whatever's going on, but you know, it, it's there's more to this than that. And and getting to AAU status or getting as close as they possibly can, there's a lot of really good stuff there. And I think it's something that is enticing for a conference that really looks at a well-rounded university rather than someone that's just caught fire for a couple football seasons and want to add them, you know, to the, to the, to the brink. Yeah. I think if you look at all the things that are happening, I think the academic side of the school is definitely emerging. I feel like it's kind of, even since I was in school, it feels like it's taken off quite a bit. Um, and then, you know, the obvious, potential on the athletic side when you're talking about building an on-campus stadium and things like that and just the location um my only question is like why would florida state and miami be okay with it i guess if it's just like to hey we're going to get to 16 we're going to consolidate um you know we're going to own basically the you know two of the three biggest markets in the state of florida um you know but that would seem to be the one thing to me that, you know, and because I believe you've wrestled, it's not a replacement for Florida state and Miami. You've right. what you've, what you've heard kind of in the background is that it would be a, an addition to, right. That's the only right. thing that I can't really wrap my head around, but um, there seems to be some momentum there. So, and, with, yeah. and his comments did nothing to slow that down. No, not even a little bit actually kind of made it worse, but <laughs> And, I mean, yeah. in, in the grand scheme of things, there. I mean, if you look at, uh, around the com, like around the AAC, you look around, you know, the the college football scape in itself. You know, there's a lot. Like, why? Why would uh, a few years ago? Why would Texas and Texas Tech be okay with adding TCU and Baylor? Why were they okay with adding TCU? You know, the big Dallas market kind of set up in Fort Worth there. You know, there's potential. There's a lot of stuff adding there. They you just know. made the Rose Bowl, too. And yeah, won. that, too. <laughs> so they had some on-field success for 
Right. Now, it was only I, – I don't believe they were great in a bunch of sports, though. I'll have to ask our right. guy and, Parker and they were, about it. But football, they were pretty good. But basketball – like, their basketball team has gotten better, I think, since they've gone to the Big 12. Right. And so it's one of those things that kind of a, a, a rising tide will, will, will lift all boats. And we've talked about that before. The football team turns around, you're going to see just explosiveness out of the, the non-revenue sports just because all of it gets elevated at that time. (laughs) That's where a lot of revenue comes from too. Yeah. And it, you know, facility enhancements help all really. Um, And it it comes down to it. If the comp, if the AACC decides we're going to add two more schools and, you know, it's USF and Memphis, I'm just tossing a name out there. Then so we, I mean, it's not going to take away from what Florida State and Miami are doing. In fact, it might make things a little bit easier for them because now instead of, I mean, everyone recruits from the Tampa Bay area in itself, and most of these schools have a dedicated, you know, Tampa um, recruiter in, in itself. But you know, now you're getting more eyeballs on your on your program. Now, they hurt Florida more than those two. I think it hurts Florida because Florida yeah, recruits I, down in Tampa a ton. I think if anything, you, and again, I'm going to put myself in the footsteps of, of Jim Phillips here um, and get a bunch of 40 and slips. But realistically, if you really want to corner the Florida market, you tell Florida state and Miami, we're adding USF, the biggest market in the state of Florida, basically outside of Jacksonville, uh, which is already dominated by Florida. You basically lock up everything outside of, Gainesville or really outside of Orlando to Gainesville to Jacksonville, you dominate the rest of the state at that point. You're owning 75% of the market at that point. Why not? Like yeah. North that's Florida, South Florida and, and left Florida. Yeah. First city left Florida. Yeah. Um, All right. So yeah, um, I, 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 th- I think there's definitely some smoke there. Um, and there seems like I would guess they'd expand if they can get, I want my guess. There was talk also. We're kind of going long here on expansion, but there was talk about Notre Dame teaming up with another conference um, to give some inventory to NBC throughout the whole day, not just the Notre Dame, but give them like a noon game and a night game all day. So they'd have basically all day of uh, and trying to and the Big 12. There's talk with the Big 12. Um, but I wonder if that's something. Uh, the ACC could worked out with them since they do seem pretty amenable to letting Notre Dame keep, um, you know, their independent status, but they could let them stay independent and then just kind of team up with them on a TV deal. And you basically get the, like you're adding Notre Dame to the conference a little bit. Right. And, and then you kind of get that big, you get that boost there uh, for the per team revenue, which I think that's what they're trying to figure mm-hmm. out. How can we boost that revenue per team? Because that's the other part of it. They could they could have more money coming in on their next TV deal, but if they bring in two more teams, now does our per school money go down? Now that's when you get into well, Clemson's like, well, I want I want this every year, no matter what, and then then that's mm-hmm. when you kind of get into the switch in there. Um, yeah. Anything else on realignment before we move on to some kind of sadder news? Um, evidently, I mean at the end of the day, and I'm going to reiterate this till the day I die is that uh, all realignment talk is behind closed doors, 
done behind the disclosure of non uh, of non disclosure agreements and everything like that. Of course, you know, we have where we're seeing the smokes and everything like that, and you know we'll follow the breadcrumbs that are left behind. Um, but you know, it, it's it's slow, it's painful. There's a lot of rumors. There's a lot of people throwing shit wall to see if it sticks, and then saying, "Haha, yes, I was right. This thing happened." This stuff usually doesn't. Out. This stuff usually doesn't come out until it's about a day from being done. If you think right. about the Texas and Oklahoma, once that leaked out. It was done within the week, I think, maybe within even sooner. Once the USC UCLA stuff leaked out legitimately, it was done within a day, I believe. Right. So this stuff usually does not leak, like Steve said, with NDAs and stuff like that. It's not coming out until it's imminent. So you may it's, not see anything for a while, but that doesn't mean nothing's happening. As a general rule of thumb, um, the closer you get to the end of a month, is when it's most likely going to be leaked out. Um, I'll leave it at that. All right, let's move on to some more uh, sad news. Our our good buddy Smoke had to retire for uh, medical reasons. Had a neck injury, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not safe for him to continue playing football. Do you have any idea when this was sustained? I, I have no clue. Um, I don't either. Yeah. It's, I mean, pr- frankly, it coming out of nowhere. Um, yeah, the timing of it. Never really spent time on injury lists or anything like that, aside from like a, like a hamstring issue last year. But like, yeah, completely out of nowhere. No idea where this guy came from. And he was a guy that played super hard. Always played hard. Always was flying around like 100 miles an hour. He had no like lower gear. So, you know, guys that play like that, sometimes they get hurt. But like you said, I don't remember him being hurt during the season. Um, I'm trying to go back and remember if he played in the spring game. Um, They had some, they had some older guys not play and that wasn't really out of the ordinary. I can't remember if he played or not, but it does seem to kind of come out of nowhere. Um, but he, he, this is definitely a guy that gave his all, I think, for, for the school. Played very hard all the time. Uh, what is your favorite Smoke Davis memory? Oh, God. It, it's, it's the simplest thing. Him, I mean, he literally exploded on the scene for USF when he, as a true freshman, um, you know, way back when. <laughs> God, this, I, I have to remind myself that this happened, but the, um, the USF UMass game. Uh, up in Amherst a couple of years ago where he absolutely rocked this shit out of two straight kickoff returners basically murdered a man straight in cold blood like you know I luckily with, with Smoke Smoke came from uh, Lee High School up in Jacksonville and, uh, and so I was kind of familiar with what his work ethic was coming from Lee High School I mean just hits the shit out of people and came onto the scene and did that and was kind of the perennial uh, when Jeff Scott, you know, got hired and needed to, um, you know, revamp the defense a little bit. He kind of slotted into uh, that star hybrid linebacker and, and safe goal uh, that for the USF faithful kind of reminded everyone of that Jamie bird, angry bird, um, you know, position where a guy that can cover a guy that can, uh, you know, get to the flat, you know, cover deep balls if needed, but 
if a poor uh, slot receiver was running an out route, you knew that they were going to take that, you know, your star player, your star uh, position player could uh, just take their head off basically. So, you know, he's the guy that gave 110% for USF every single down special teams, defense, kickoff return, punt return, whatever it was. He loved to hit, he loved to make contact and everything. So it, it's a, it's a major loss and it, it's, it's a major loss for the heart uh, of the program, but I'm glad to see that he's he's probably going to still be sticking around, probably still be on the sidelines and and represent and uh, hype everyone up because I, he was good hyping up <laughs> the crowd. Yeah, I mean, I, I I remember, you know, I just remember from what, just thinking back, a guy like if first of all, if, if there's been a pretty big hit late on the perimeter the last couple of years, it was probably him. Right, mm-hmm. he's a guy that was always coming downhill, 100 miles an hour. Um, and and making plays and making big hits, like you said, energetic guy, seemed to play with a lot of energy. I'm sure his teammates loved him. Uh, Jeff Scott said he's going to graduate next month, I believe. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. It seems like you said he's going to stay around the program, and he's definitely a guy that you know with he seems to be kind of a charismatic, energetic guy that can help and maybe get into coaching or something and kind of keep his uh, course with football going. Um, but he can probably do a lot of things. Like I said, he's about to graduate. So uh, hopefully you yeah. stay around the team and, and kind of keep the brotherhood there. Cause that's always um, tough to kind of lose football and lose that at the same time. Uh, so mm-hmm. hopefully he stays around, but he seems to be taking it in stride as much as you can. Seems to has a good head on his shoulders um, and, and kind of going to be doing good things in life. Just not playing football anymore. It was like, uh, right. Like we say, like we got here, don't want to really mess around with the neck injuries, right? It's not not really yeah. worth it. So, some sad news there. Yeah, it, it's it's sad, but you know, it's to to go out to the football side of things. It's it's the next man up time. You know, they they took a few DBs this transfer class. Um, you know, there's there's some young guys waiting in the wing. So you know, it's it's time for someone else, someone younger. To, to kind of get into that role. And I know for damn certain that, you know, Smoke's going to be coaching that person up, whoever it is, and, and getting them ready um, for whatever Shoop has in store for our defense. Because he was a guy that I think <laughs> I had mentioned when they kept on talking about like the elite thousand and, you know, guys that can be drafted and everything like that. I kept on throwing his name because he's in that perfect position, like Buda Baker kind of guy, size wise, speed wise, that can kind of make those type of plays. So, you know, it's unfortunate, but it's, um, you know, they'll, they'll find someone to, uh, to kind of replace them there. Uh, I believe that they have Gabe Neely there as a, uh, as a safety. I think they might have him listed as a defensive back just in general though, but I'm pretty sure he was recruited as a safety. So he's a guy that can slot into that role. Um, Amaris Brown transfer from Kansas state, um, kind of a similar size and length and everything. So, there, there's options there. Um, there's not a lot of experienced options. I think the only guy with experience from that position is Jaden Curry. So um, it'll probably be a fresh face there. Um, you know, you could also realistically, you could also throw a guy like Matt Hill in that position. Um, yeah, I was thinking maybe his experience last year, or you could move Will Jones there or something. You, luckily, two years ago, this would have been devastating on the field. Yeah. I mean, it's devastating, I'm sure, in the locker room and everything. But 
two years ago, this would have crushed them for the season. Their depth was not there. Now they're at a point where they do have some depth. They could absorb a loss. Obviously, not going to be as good, but uh, you you have some depth there at least. So, mm-hmm. Steve, final thing on the docket tonight is there were some boxes delivered this past week. They they partook in uh, Amazon Prime Day. They, uh, they, those packages finally arrived. So we but had I, uh, we had this message from USF Football. So do you mean these boxes? And these were some boxes that were delivered. You're the equipment guy. What are you thinking here? Well, um, there's a few options of what this is. Um, for the for the people that have uh, are able to zoom in on their phones, um, you can read the label on that closest box that says that it's a helmet. So helmet. Yeah, uh, if you really want to get close to the screen so that we can, you know, digest the pores and everything. But yeah, so I mean, in 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 fairness, you can also fucking read the giant label on the box that says "shut." Yeah, they're helmet not uniform makers. I don't believe. Yeah. We're doing we're doing math here, um, but it, the the astuteness of but wait, there's more. Wait, um, th- those two boxes on top are are what is interesting the most to me. Um, what about these boxes? Those are also very interesting to me for two reasons. Um, I'll start with the tops of the boxes from the previous image. Um, and and I'll, I'll, I'll dampen the mood a little bit. I'm fairly certain those top boxes are screws and face masks and um, like the, the chin straps and everything like that. Cause when, when helmets are shipped, they're not shipped complete, you know, with like the, you know, with the I have one right behind me as a perfect example. Oh, look at that. I can use this. So, when the helmet's does it, shipped... Does it fit? Yeah, it actually does. Hold on, I gotta Let's take my... There we go. Look at that. Imagine that coming at you in a hole. Oh. You don't know what to do. Alright, am I back? Yes. Ah, fuck. No, you're, you're back. <laughs> Stig's gone. All right, Stig is gone. Any questions in the chat? I see a few. Uh, Adidas, you got the Adidas Custom. Could be uniforms. We've seen a couple of uniforms roll out from Adidas schools in the last few days. I think Georgia Tech had one. That was a beautiful helmet, right? Uh, I think Georgia Tech had one. FIU had one. Oh, my gosh, he's back. Stig is Sorry. Back. I forgot Sorry. whenever the... Uh... My, my headset disconnects, I have to, to leave and come back. But yeah, so when it's shipped, it's just the shell. The face mask isn't usually included. It usually has to be reinstalled on onto it. Um, that's for the safety purposes of not cracking the helmet and also cutting down shipping uh, boxes. So realistically, uh, when you take the bladder out and everything like that, you can stack them all in there and ship basically all of the helmets at the same time and then all the pieces that go along with it in separate boxes. So that I'm pretty sure is what was in the whole first shipment was basically the whole first shipment was basically helmet stuff is what your, what your assertion is. Yeah. In my professional opinion, 
take that for what you will. Stieg knows his equipment. Let me tell you, you saw him in that helmet. No, my shit. Um, yeah. But to the point that you were making, um, Georgia Tech unveiled there. Uh, were those primaries or were those alternates? I know they wear white at home sometimes, so I, yeah. I thought there was were primary uniforms. Uh, the terrible internet, internet not. Yeah, they, it wasn't internet. It was it was my set uh, because I'm like fucking. Three. Listen, see, um, see, you got to get dip into the props. All right, when you I dip into the props, sometimes you got to you got to cut out and come back. That's all right. Right. Um, yeah, FIU, FIU got it seemed FIU got new uniforms. Georgia Tech unveiled new uniforms recently, and then you have there's been some rumors going around about uniforms, and you have these boxes arrive for USF equipment. They found some drip too. So yep, and I in my my first pass through, I was like, oh, those are those are shoe boxes, but then I I, I deduced. I looked in the background, and it's a, those are the same shut boxes. It looks like mm-hmm. so these are these are big uh, big boxes here, and uh, usually big boxes mean there's a lot of shit packed in there. You talking about like with all the yellow there? You might have some yellow. Yeah, yellow one here. Elementary. Dear Steak, right? I like the look. Um, yeah. So, what do you think? What do you think on uniforms? Have you heard anything from your well placed sources, or do you think we're going? Georgia Tech seemed to be simplified. FIU seemed to be simplified. That seems to be a modern design element. You're seeing it in the NBA where people are using just like simple font and big lettering. Yep. Um, um, so it's, and, we're kind of getting away from the really crazy designs, it seems like. Right. And uh, and this should be of no surprise to anyone who has followed uniforming in the last couple of years is when a, when a college sports manufacturer makes something for a certain school, they usually make them in the different colors for the other schools. Yeah, just if one you go template, through Nike's, right? Yeah, they they basically template these sh- this shit out. You go on Nike's website, you can get, and I remember seeing this because I thought it was the funniest fucking thing. The for the NCAA tournament, you know, they had all the NCAA tournament kind of things, and it was like next man up or something like that was their thing. It was literally the same exact thing, next man up, but it was the um, the UCF logo or the uh, Houston logo or whoever it was. It was the same fucking thing over and over and over again for all the Nike schools. So. Lo and behold, you know, if you want to kind of take a sneak peek at what USF uniforms could be this year, look around at other Adidas schools and what they're doing, because it's generally going to follow the same line. Here's Georgia Tech. A little look at them, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Kind of going back to their roots is what they said. So kind of going back to a more simplified look there. Um We'll pull up FIU here. Yeah, I mean, it may very well. They may just take the navy out of the Georgia Tech uniforms and slap some green on it and call it a day. Might, um, and, and so it's it's going to be kind of a. Uh, I, I don't want to call it a disappointment because I think New Jerseys are always exciting. It's exciting for the players. It's exciting for the fans and everything like that. 
Um, but I, I, I wouldn't get the hopes up of like some innovative top tier special uniform that's specifically designed for USF. It might have a USF specific flair to it um, because contractually most of these uh, uniform manufacturers are told to do that. Um, but like FIU, they put like the, the Panther eyes on the shoulder pads. Um, yeah, here's look which at I think kind of, I think it kind of looks like shit. Um, <laughs> it, it I, I really, think outside of that, it looks all right. Um, these blue ones look good. I like these. I don't like yeah. the whites. They have, I think they have the kind of sub, they have the eyes still there, but they're in black. So it's harder to see. Mm-hmm. But I, again, it's pretty simple. I think the one thing that is interesting between the two is the different number styles, not just kind of the font, which this is New Jersey numbers, but um, this one looks a little bit more. Uh, the other one looks like it's like the crinkle screen press look or whatever. And this is, looks more, you know, sewed on to speak. Yeah. And I, I think they're probably going away from the foil print. That's just like by itself. I think it's probably going to be that textured layered uh, screen print uh, to, to get those numbers on and everything. So I'd imagine, you know, it, Knowing how this off season is, it's going to piss off half the people. The other half of the people are going to think it's fine. <laughs> I, I think it would be interesting. I'm, I'm surprised that they're not going to go. Now, I, I think they could. This is something you might save for when you move into the new building, but kind of really go back. Now, it could have been something they did last year. Um, kind of go back and kind of a more simplified, like earlier look from the program. Not Nothing too crazy, nothing too, uh, you know, out there, but. You got great colors. You got good logos. You know, mix them up. Yeah, don't go nuts. Should be you should have a pretty good uniform with yeah. all the elements I mean, you have here. Right? It's classic. You just you, you got to have the right you know people in in place to to make those new uniforms and everything. I will say, you know, if if the same people are involved that were involved with the spring and uh, winter uniforms. I feel like we're in probably good hands. Um, the sock, I, I love our soccer uniforms. Adidas makes great soccer uniforms. I love our basketball uniforms. I think they're fantastic. And I think the alternates are good as well. And then looking at, you know, baseball um, and, and softball, they did a tremendous job there as well. Good job keeping it classic, but also adding a little bit of modern flair to it. Um, I'm more curious more than anything of what the, uh, helmets are going to look like. Um, I would like to see a uh, return least a little bit to uh, green helmets. As much as uh, that black helmet looks fantastic, um, you know, I, I'd like to see two two helmets, a white one and a green one. Um, you don't. You're not a gold. You're not a gold man. I think if you're going to throw back before them, do gold. Um, do gold helmets. Do that. <laughs> Bring back those ugly fucking mustard gold uniforms if we're or helmets if we're gonna do something like that. Um, but yeah, I think I think gold and chrome have kind of the excuse me the gold and chrome helmet itself, not the uh, not the logo. I think those have kind of overstayed their welcome um, throughout the uh, the uh, the uniform popularity side. Yeah. It's time to move past that. Matt's in um, speckled uh, dust is in stuff like that. Um, I, I went back. And watched, I went back and watched the 2011 Notre Dame game 
mm-hmm. with uh, the guy that writes for Douglas Farmer. He writes for NBC Sports uh, for Notre Dame. Uh, went back and watched the game with him on my YouTube channel, Varndor Films. Like and subscribe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the green helmets were great. They were they were distinctive. I thought, and I thought that uniform was awesome that they wore at Notre Dame that day. Yeah, and so I, I think I, if you get like like that, yeah. yeah, I do like the green. I'm with it. I do like the gold too. I'm a I'm a sucker. And so. I'll uh, I'll leave uh, this uniform a pin in in the works. Keep slime. Stop wearing slime for more on I four. Let them wear it whenever they want because they look really good. It's really eye catching and it's really fun. But please, for the love of God, stop playing. Stop wearing it for War on I four. Don't make it a War on I four special. Don't make it a you know. A, make like a Sunday slime for baseball or softball or whatever. Like in 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 football, wear slime for. I don't Tulane. know the home lane, right? The green wave or two lane, right? Slime like wave. something. Yeah. Don't don't wear it for one I four. Just it, classic works for rivalry games. We don't need yeah. a we. They stopped doing special uniforms for the war on I four. We need to stop doing special uniforms for the war on I four. Just this uniform. might be the last one for a while. So go out classic. Might right? be. It will be. <laughs> it's <laughs> six years before they before we can schedule it. Oh, um, shucks. All right. Any questions sorry. in the chat before we're done? I think we've gone pretty long here, even without old Nathan. Any questions? Yeah, we, we, have some, we have some participation this week. Um, I see Eric asked, we keep South Florida as a go to USF. It seems yeah, like Adidas's move is putting a logo on top. So I bet you get the U right there on top of the kind of under the collar there. Yeah. I had it a seems green. to be the move for the template. And it looks like based off of the branding that they've done on the new USF website, which by the way, um, the entire team, uh, social media team was working on the new website, which the new website is just absolutely fantastic. Um, it looks like the main branding is using iconic U. So imagine that it's going to be USF, not South Florida. Um, those kind of go synonymous together. Um, I know they're kind of strong decision to do USF instead of South Florida. Yeah. Yeah. The only good thing he ever did for this university. Uh, let's see. Well, that's the, the logo, um, the Merrill Lynch logo, but, um, yeah, it, it look, I, if I had to guess, they're probably going to do, um, the iconic U on like the chest here. Um, but you guys want to see the new page real quick? Look at how pretty that is. Oh yeah, Chad Morris. Oh, oh yeah, we, we talked about. We've, we've had so much stuff happen. We forgot about Chad Morris. Um, I think. The, the listen, Chad Morris. Now. Chad Morris failed because he was. I think he was poor at putting rosters together, and not a great recruiter. He will not be doing either of those things here. He will be just breaking down offense, helping them game plan. He was pretty good at that. So I, I think there's some he's there's some flack for the hire because he didn't have success at Arkansas and had was somewhat successful at SMU, but the issues were you know 
talent. Just Sam Pittman's a much better recruiter than Chad Morris. Right. And has put together a better, I think, coaching staff around him. Chad Morris doesn't have to put together a coaching staff here. He doesn't have to recruit. He gets to focus on offense. And if you go back and look, Clemson is Clemson because of Chad Morris. They fired Billy Napier, which is an interesting wrinkle, and hired Chad Morris, and he brought their offense to kind of he, – he took them to the next level. He ran the quarterback quite a bit early with Taj Boyd, so you may see some of that maybe if he's, he has any influence. But I think it's a good hire. This is a guy that's not going to be on the field. He's going to be helping you game plan. There's nothing – to lose with a guy like that and probably a good amount to gain. Jeff Scott coach under him. He understands what kind of coach he is. I'd say it's a pretty good hire. Right. And I, I don't think that there's anything to lose sleep over. And I don't think there's anything to write home about either. Um, the, it's, the cycle of, it, it's a big name. And I think I mentioned this to someone. If it wasn't Ted Morris, you probably wouldn't hear about this. <laughs> like, yeah, they hired. They, so they hired another offensive analyst today. That unless you're a local guy, because he's a local guy, nobody really talked about it. Right, and and, and honestly, um, the other guy that they just hired is a is a more important name that was hired. Like Chad Morris is probably like a one and done kind of guy. He'll uh, use this season. Hopefully, it's a good one. Fix his, uh, you know mojo and then go be the QB coach at like, I don't know, Auburn or something like that, or some sec school. That's just going to hire him on a whim. But yeah. you know, the other guy that they just hired is like a Lakeland guy full in through and through yeah. like a guy that you want on staff to be a grad assistant to help with, to help this, with recruiting. This, this is a pure scheme. Yeah, that's like a relationship hire. This is a pure yep. scheme behind the scenes, cutting up film, looking at stuff. The guy was a good offensive play caller at Clemson. I'm sure he can handle uh, – I'm sure he can add something to – will he be uh, like a, in the Joe Canan role? I don't know. I, I think Joe Canan was pretty involved. I don't know how involved he'll be, but I know he'll his, – his opinion carries weight with Jeff Scott, I'd imagine. Jeff Scott kind of came after him and ran something similar. Him and Tony, Tony Elliott did uh, after he left for SMU. So Jeff Scott obviously has respect for him. He hired one of his former, he's hired a couple of his former coaches. I think DePrado was on his staff. Mm-hmm. Um, Tremaine, the Tremaine uh, Carroll was the name, right? The former strength coach was on his, was yeah, on his coach staff. Yeah. So, he obviously values his opinion and his ability to, um, you know, his kind of football acumen. So I, I think he'll be of some importance, but again, he's not on the field. He's not recruiting. So I think you do minimize his weaknesses, which seem to be uh, recruiting, managing the team as the head coach, as a coordinator. You're right. great. So this is kind of like, you're a coordinator and you don't have to worry about any recruiting is basically what an analyst is. All you're doing is just watching film, which I'm sure he'll excel at. Yeah. And I mean, it's, if anything, you can read into it as uh Jeff Scott's a relationship guy because he hired his old mentor. I mean, I'm sure there's 45 other offensive analysts that he could have hired, but he went with the relationship guy. 
Um, and, and you know what? It very well could end up happening. Our, our coach Trickett has a great couple years, gets a job somewhere else, and then you slide in a guy like Chad Moore. You know, it, it also helps kind of in that sense where – Maybe at this point, he's probably got some good buyout money. Chad Morris, he coached high school football last year. So it's not about a level, right? It's probably mm-hmm. about, you know, the opportunity. So he may be a guy that, yeah, I'll be the you know, it's for a couple of years. And if somebody on staff leaves, I can slide in and you don't miss a beat and you have a quality. You know, this is what this is what the big programs do. They have kind of tiers on their coaching staff. And when a guy leaves, you can slide somebody else in without missing a beat. So right. I, I don't and get his, the controversy. Uh, his uh, his former players at Arkansas, you know the the two and ten zero oh and eight season from Arkansas said nothing but glowing things about him uh, at SEC media days this year. Um, I think Joey Knight and and Matt Baker were there, yeah. and they asked him about you know asked asked these players who were on that same team about Chad Morris and you know they he was there for what two seasons? Yes. Yeah, they could easily just, you know, throw his name under the bus. There's, you know, nothing holding him back or anything like that. And most players are are pretty fruitful and pretty honest. And most of them were pretty honest that, you know, that, hey, the time didn't work out. You know, we didn't win that many games or anything yeah. like that. But he's a great guy. He's great offensive mind. He's got a lot of good on his shoulders and everything. So, again, I'm not going to lose sleep over us hiring Chad Morris as an offensive analyst because I don't remember who offensive analysts are after the uh, season anyways. Yeah, I, I think there's there's really no risk. It's not like he's calling plays. It's not like he's recruiting or managing the team. He's here to provide analysis that just kind of accentuates what the other coaches are doing. And I think he'll do really well there. And then he also provides some depth on your coaching staff if somebody were to leave. Right. So I like All it. All right. Steve, anything else? I think we've, we're coming. We've, we've gone over an hour now. Any, any yeah, final I think, words uh, here? Um, buy season tickets, donate to Bulls Club. Do you still <laughs> have a link? Uh, no, but Vito will provide it uh, in, in the thing because he's so good at that. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. Um, Bulls Block parties on the 20th. Use Steak 5 if you go. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. support the school. They deserve it. They're working their asses off for it right now. Um, we'll see what happens during football season. We'll see what happens during basketball season. Yeah, that's all he can really do at this point. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we'll kind of be back depending on how news is. I know uh, media day is coming up soon. I believe it's next week, right? So we may be back after media day. Uh, if not, uh, we'll be back the following week, I'm sure, with plenty to discuss. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Pour one out for Nathan's internet. We'll get it figured out here. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.